Hey, welcome everybody back to uh, Grey Malkin Lane, the podcast where queer friends gather to review and discuss the original X-Men comics from the 1960s. Uh, last week, we saw the X-Men spar with the Avengers as Professor X uh, guided them to defeat the mysterious threat of Lucifer. We'll be seeing more of him shortly. Uh, after stopping Lucifer by detonating a deadly bomb that he wanted to use for planetary destruction, the X-Men let him go for unknown reasons. Uh, today we're going to be reviewing X-Men number 10, which is called The Coming of Kazar. And let me just note right in advance, that's an unfortunate title. <laughs> is it? Is it unfortunate? <laughs> Actually, it's pronounced. Kesar. I thought of nothing else. <laughs> it's pronounced Kesar. I've got to. I've got to correct myself. I've said Kazar my whole life, but it's Kesar. Uh, I will just note uh, uh, today we are joined by a couple of comic book professionals, which I'm thrilled about. Uh, uh, if you would each like to introduce yourselves, um, we'll uh, we'll start with uh, Terry and uh, use your your name, your gender pronouns. Tell us a little bit about your history or what you're working on right now. Uh, and then when you have time, uh, after you've introduced yourselves, uh, today's question is, when you think back to your childhood, what did you think the coolest dinosaur was? And what uh, what fictional cartoons or movies or anything do you have fond memories of related to dinosaurs in your youth? Okay, um, I'm Terry Blass. Uh, my pronouns are he, him. Um, if you're like, hey girl, I'm like not offended by that. It's not offensive to be a woman. So <laughs> like whatever pronoun you want to use is fine. Um, I am currently the writer for the Marvel series Reptile. And I have a short in the Marvel Voices Pride um, anthology that just came out, which is about, an, I don't know, I say Anoli, but I guess some people say Anol. I get, I'm just the reptile writer person, <laughs> I guess. Um, Anoli and, a little like cannoli. Now I'm hungry. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's cute. I prefer I prefer Anoli. Um, but uh, yeah, I came to comics largely through like Disney Adventure comics, which had Bone and Uncle Scrooge comics in them. Um, and then, of course, when I was I'm a '90s kid, so the X Men cartoon led me to X Men comics, which led me to other comics. Um, and my I think. My favorite dinosaur when I was a kid, I had so many, but um, I loved Stegosaurus because it looked so weird. <laughs> and I loved Brachiosaurus because I felt like it with its long neck, but it had like its nose on the top of its head so it could be in water. And I don't know, it was just weird. Um, and I also liked the flying dinosaurs. But yeah, I think cartoons that had dinosaurs in them, I... I can't abide the 20,000 Land Before Time movies, but the first one was legitimately sweet and cute and kind of tragic. So I do like that cartoon. Um, and I will end by saying that um, the cartoon Dino Saucers, which was about anthropomorphized dinosaurs from outer space, which is what I was told growing up as a Mormon dinosaurs were from anyway, uh, that they were from some other world. Um, that kind of blew my mind. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, Brad, do you want to go next? Yeah, hi. Um, so uh, my name is Bradley. I, um, I'm an illustrator right now. Um, the main thing I'm working on is a tarot deck with the uh, magazine Friction that I think is wrapping up. It's a Kickstarter right now. It's a literary tarot deck where we like 
pair riders with certain cards in the deck. Um, I'm doing the whole suit of uh, pentacles. Um, I'm getting to work with uh, writers. Uh, like uh, I know Roxanne Gay's been announced. Uh, I don't know which all ones have been announced and which haven't, so I can't uh, say that much about it. But um, a bunch of fun writers that I've admired forever. Um, I also, I, I'm working on a few comics, um, but that's about it. Um, my, um, let's see, my favorite dinosaur, it's really basic to say the T-Rex, but I thought, I thought, oh, I use they, them pronouns. Um, it's really basic to say the T-Rex, but it's all that comes to mind. But like that, this feels like me, this feels like me as a kid, like, uh, come up with like, um the the woman that I'd be attracted to if I were attracted to women I didn't care about dinosaurs as a kid <laughs> <laughs> this feels like me being like oh Charlie Spearon <laughs> um yeah I wasn't a huge dinosaur enthusiast as a kid I like them now um I don't know do dragons count <laughs> um um, I liked the Land Before Time stuff as well. I liked the um, weird, um, it was called the dinosaurs, I think, with the like, um, the, the live action thing with the dinosaur that was like, I'm the baby. Not the um, mama, not the mama, yep. Yeah, <laughs> um, gotta love me, I'm the baby, is in fact my mantra. Mm -hmm. uh, so probably that. <laughs> and viewers, you cannot tell, but Bradley is wearing a diaper. You just can't look. <laughs> <laughs> Heather, go ahead. My name is Heather and I use she, her pronouns. Um, I think when I was younger, my favorite dinosaur was pterodactyl because I thought it was cool that they could fly. But we weren't really big on dinosaurs at my house. Like... This it's is a safe space for that. <laughs> and I'm like, it's not that we like weren't like it was, it wasn't, it's not like it wasn't allowed, but like none of us were really dinosaur kids. Um, so I think I saw maybe one or two Land Before Time movies, but that's really the only dinosaur stuff I can think of, except I had a friend who, or not a friend, it was a field trip. We saw, we went to a dinosaur museum and there was a play that they did that was like Davy Crockett going to dinosaur, like back in time to the dinosaurs. And I, I only vaguely remember it, but I very, very strongly remember the song, All My T-Rexes Live in Texas. Oh, wow. Amazing. <laughs> I, no notes. <laughs> <laughs> Please give us the YouTube link for this song later. I would love to hear it. If I can find it, I definitely will. <laughs> uh, so my name is Chad Anderson. I use he, him pronouns. Uh, I, When I thought about this dinosaur question, I had a shocking number of answers in my brain and I wasn't a big dinosaur kid. Uh, my favorite dinosaur as a kid, I think because I liked crazy words, uh, was the Archaeopteryx, which was just so fun to say, but also you got like a feathered, like bestial dinosaur, which I loved. I think the original thing, I'm the oldest one here by far, I can tell. Uh, I think the original thing uh, that I fell in love with dinosaur-wise was an old cartoon called Land of the Lost. 
which they remade later in the 90s, but we're talking like old, old school, living in the land of the lost. And like this group of humans got stuck in the past and there was a caveman named Stink and there was all these weird little adventures and magic crystals and it was fantastic. Uh, and Jurassic Park, of course, is uh, is a classic that we have not mentioned, which is uh, which is wonderful. So the reason we're spending time on dinosaurs today is because we are delving into X Men number ten, which uh, is the first appearance of Marvel's The Savage Land, although it's not called that in this issue. Uh, and we get lots oh, of dinosaurs right. today. Yeah, I don't think they ever call it The Savage Land uh, until a little later. Uh, so let's begin with uh, with our review of the cover. I will hold this up for everyone to see. Uh, you guys all have it there in front of you. Mm -hmm. uh, my first observation is uh, uh, there is not like 14 people packed into this cover like all the last ones have been. Uh, what were your first impressions as you guys looked at the cover of this book? Mm. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> <laughs> my, I mean, my first impression was that in the top left corner in that little logo, um, Iceman and Beast are very suggestive. <laughs> In that. <laughs> and I feel like that's dropping a hint about what's to come from Bobby. Yeah. And I don't know. I mean, I don't know what that says about me that that was the first thing I noticed. But well, and so get wrecked, Angel. You can't like get lost. Yeah. See you never. Well, and He's if just to, make, just to make it real dirty, real fast, if that is happening, you'll notice that Iceman is ejaculating out of his fingertips. <laughs> Yeah. You know, we don't know how his powers work. This so, <laughs> we're still developing that. As, we don't know early. what's in that ice. <laughs> Have you taken note how uh, almost all of Gene's appearances lately, everything is like long, flowy arms? Like, it's all like posed arms. It's very. Yeah, she's kind of voguing. She's kind of like extending it out. Yeah. It's a consistent pattern. She's kind of <laughs> dabbing. <laughs> <laughs> there's also some weird like uh, i don't know phrasing on there i don't understand thrill to zabu thrill or to yeah zabu the <laughs> i like how it says that um kazar is unquestionably the most spectacular new character of the year and it this came out in march but don't there question were, it. <laughs> there, were, uh, there were a lot of new characters back then, but Kesar is a particular favorite. He has a very, very long, long history with Marvel. So they might've been right. Uh, I'd like to know who else came out that year though, out of curiosity now. <laughs> we'd have to, yeah, we'd have to check. So uh, anyone nerdy enough to know, if you look at the bottom right, the MMM. I was just wondering about that. Yep. Anyone know what that means? It I looks do. insidious. Harry, let us hear it. Um, I believe it's the Mary Marvel Marching Society, mm -hmm. which was essentially uh, like the fan club for Marvel, like I think at the time. Book? Yeah. It was, uh, um, back in the day when you had to write letters in. So if you joined the MMMS, they had various levels in the club and you could get little things in the mail. And it was just kind of a fun little thing back then for the 60s what boys they were writing for. Uh, so let's jump in. Uh, Kazar, uh, or Kesar is looking pretty good on both the cover and the splash page. Mm -hmm. Well done, Jack Kirby. He's got like some thick thighs. We've got, he's given a shoulder. He's giving us chest with no nipples. Uh, <laughs> he's doing okay. You don't need him in the savage land. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, the Atlantis prince didn't have nipples either. Namor. Oh, Namor, yeah. yeah. He didn't have nipples uh, either. Famously nippleless Namor. 
Uh, I mean, Jack <laughs> Namor against Kesar. I'm gonna choose Kesar every time. Though. Oh, Ooh, he just, hot he take. Like hot. <laughs> yeah. Oh wow, yeah. I think I'm. Uh, I think I'm. Uh, uh, can we curse on this podcast? Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, I think I'm a. I'm a Spock fucker. Uh, <laughs> uh, because uh, it will Namor would win out, but only by a hair, uh, and that hair is that I could talk to him, and uh, <laughs> yeah, he's uh, he's doing all right. And you guys notice on that first page how teeny the X Men are in comparison. Like they're in front mm. of him, but they're like Gene and Scott, right? They're like yeah. in front, and they're like really small. Maybe it's oh oh yeah, on page one. Yeah, yeah. They're, uh, they're real tiny. So I believe page one has that pronunciation guide too, right? Like I appreciate a pronunciation guide, but that's very interesting. I'm curious why they did that. You get pronounced Kesar. Uh, and how do you guys say the Sabretooth's name? I say Zab Zabu? Zabu. That's what I would say. I say Zabu, but I can go to oh. Zabu for the purpose of today. Uh, Terry, a uh, side note. I just noticed the beautiful TikTok painting on your wall and I'm in love. It's the only it's the only piece of artwork that I've done that I have hanging in my home. TikTok from the Wizard of Oz books. That's uh that's Yes, that's him. I wear him as well. Oh, yes. Excellent. He's the uh strange tangent, but whatever. Yeah, no, I, well, you know, it's in your wall. Uh, yeah. okay. So, as we as we jump into the book, I I love this idea of Stan and Jack sitting around coming up with new ways to entertain their heroes. And the mythos that they set up, they were writing so many different books. So to introduce this whole like jungle in the Antarctic is so ridiculous uh, and so wonderful. And it's been a staying uh, force in Marvel comics for decades since. Characters are always going to the Savage Land constantly. I mean, I feel like it's sort of a sign of the times, right? Like in the 60s, the early 60s, they had like Planet of the Apes. They had the Lost World, which had dinosaurs in it. So it was these weird like adventure sci-fi kind of things that I feel like and they just sort of injected it makes into X-Men. It makes a huge resurgence actually like post um, um, Jurassic Park. That's uh, that's when I can think of the most notable resurgence of it. And it's been a you know mainstay sense, but uh, it, they tend to pull on whatever's popular. Yeah, big uh, and yeah. will sell books to kids. <laughs> there's, uh, there's entire series that are based there. Uh, back when I worked on the Marvel handbooks a few years back, we one of the one of the uh, projects we worked on is something called the Marvel Atlas, and it became kind of our job to add in all of the fictional countries and islands and secret societies and lands like into the regular planet and like keep a history. It was really fun actually. Cool. Uh, so you can find an obscure book called the Marvel Atlas that uh, that covers lots of uh, fictional things. Uh, I do. So I was okay. gonna say I, real quick. I do picture um, Stanley and Jack Kirby sitting around as they're making this issue, and on page one being like, all right, let's say on this first page that we have triumphed again at <laughs> how amazing we are <laughs> in coming up with this idea. Mm -hmm. And they didn't put it in Africa or on an island. Like, it's in the middle of the Antarctic. It's it's brilliant. I don't know. I think it's great. Which I kind of stand, like, having it in Africa or wherever on an island, that's so done. Mm -hmm. Although in the mid-60s, it may not have been done. Sure. But, but you would be asking for some kind of collision with Wakanda. <laughs> but I just love that it's in the middle of the Antarctic, uh, in the middle of Antarctica, and just like underground, like mm -hmm. it's I'm really unique. Mm -hmm. 
so at this point in the comics, the Savage Land has never been heard of or discovered by the, the general population. We have a few stories that are told later in continuity where we hear of explorers or things discovering the Savage Land or using its resources, but those are kind of retrofits. In this uh, issue, we have the X-Men doing postgraduate studies in the danger room, which just means they're still training, uh, working on their powers. And Jean has rather impressively disassembled like an assault rifle with her powers, all the little pins and everything. It's, it's kind of amazing actually. Mm -hmm. It's really impressive to look at. And Bobby's a jerk <laughs> and everyone just immediately goes, shut the fuck up. <laughs> shut up, Bobby. <laughs> And then uh, you get to see Scott and Jean with their unrequited Shakespearean love. A whole lot of that. <laughs> uh, yeah, there is a lot of it, huh? like, that they're injecting into this right away. I felt like there's even, like, I think it's, like, panel three may as well be, like, a Lichtenstein, like, piece, <laughs> where they're, like, both kind of dreamily, like, unrequited for each other. And do you notice how long Jean's thought bubble is? It's like, it's like all the way up at the panel. Yeah. I, I, believe, I believe all four of us are at least sometimes attracted to men. Mm -hmm. Sometimes. Uh, so I want you to picture yourself at the gym and a super cute guy walks by and your inner monologue is, oh, if only you would notice me the way I notice you. If only you would fall <laughs> in my arms and kiss my, like, what are your actual inner monologues saying at this moment? I don't know if we can actually talk about that on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so this is assuming that I'm at the gym. Yes, yes. Or, you know, anywhere. Anywhere you can Okay. <laughs> I mean, it's definitely like, not... Oh, he cute. All right. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely not what Gene says. <laughs> He's definitely not going in a thought bubble in Marvel Comics. Not in... <laughs> yeah, my, uh, my inner thoughts are things like, God damn. Or, you know, it's so scary. at this point, Jean doesn't have or hasn't exhibited like telepathic abilities, has she? Right. Charles hasn't given that. Okay, to her yet. because then I'm like, I, I was thinking that if she had, Scott's being very like <laughs> open <laughs> forward in front of her, but yeah. So uh, the that literally. Oh, go oh, ahead. Sorry, I was saying that literally. It's the most insane. They like hadn't established any of the like rules yet i i want to say it's literally later on established when charles is leaving he like gives gene some of his telepathic ability and that i think is the first place that she gets it which is i mean that's later retconned that she was always a telepath or something and he just suppressed it but so two pieces, not so <laughs> yeah two pieces of major continuity that fit in here we will learn much later the professor x is suppressing some of her abilities so that they don't develop too quickly. And Heather, before before you before you go too far, this one's actually kind of noble because you'll learn later, uh, Jean, the, the origin of her powers was extraordinarily tragic, which is a story we'll talk about as we get farther into the series. And so he's actually protecting her in some ways here. But at this point, at this point, all of the teens have gone forward into the future for an extended time. And during that oh, time, yeah. the this powers is the... all manifested. And then they had to erase her memory of using that before they sent her back. So, so it's kind of a complicated uh, retroactive continuity here. Yeah, dealing with the fact that this is after, like, like this takes place in, like, in their lives, technically after the whole time displacement thing is 
bonkers. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It happens in the middle of issue eight. So we go into that uh, in a, a lot of detail, a couple of episodes yet, but which mm. has not posted currently at, as of this time. Uh, so uh, Warren has skipped practice. Uh, he's watching television in which they see a, uh, images of a group of researchers in the Antarctic coming across a man in a loincloth and his saber-toothed tiger. One of them has gone missing. Kezar has rescued him and they immediately pull out their guns and they're like, oh, it's a freak, <laughs> and he disappears. But it's on national news. So the whole world is aware there's something crazy going on in the Antarctic. Uh, what'd you guys think of this scene? I will say that the most surprising thing about this scene for me is that I have never related to Warren before, but skipping practice right. to watch TV. <laughs> <laughs> What's most surprising to me is that anyone was surprised Warren skipped practice. I'm like, no, that himbo is, he's missing practice all the time. You yeah. can't convince me he's the responsible one. He's a billionaire. He doesn't yeah. need practice. <laughs> and to do what? Avoid things in the air? But like that, like, what functional things is he doing? Like, Gina's taking a gun apart with her mind right now. Bobby is making ice slides and we'll let that, whatever. But like, what's Warren doing practically at practice? Let him watch TV. He's working on his agility. You know, even though Warren is in his own home here, and I kind of like his like purple on brown look that's going on, but he's choosing to strap his wings down. Like, was he? Was oh, that is interesting. Uh, this is the place where you can let them fly, man. I don't know. There is something about like clo like closeting, <laughs> like in there, there's a conversation we had that they were not doing intentionally. Somebody just didn't want to draw wings, but- uh, That's what I thought too, was like, <laughs> yeah. no, I'm gonna have to draw them so many times in this issue. We, not yeah, right now. We have to hide our true selves from the general public. Yeah. A <laughs> I did think it was interesting. I, it, am I wrong that they kind of acknowledge that this news broadcast like what happens in it is crazy, but that the cameraman was so awesome that he like <laughs> caught it all. Uh, so they rush back into Professor X and they're like, there's this news report. Professor X has already heard about, quote, the uh, the Antarctic wild man, <laughs> great, which is a great uh, name for Kesar. Uh, and they assume he's a mutant. Professor X confirms he's not. This is the first time we see the admission of Professor X uh, having Cerebro to all of the team. Previously, Cyclops has seen Cerebro. I presume the other mutants have learned about it off panel somewhere, but canonically, this is the first time we see them learning about that. Oh, and, uh, and then they immediately jump into action. Uh, <laughs> Iceman trips Jean on an ice slide and she calls him a juvenile Jerry Lewis. Jerry Lewis. <laughs> <laughs> You guys all I like that he's listeners. sitting while he slides. That's funny. <laughs> he's like levitating in the air. Yeah, he's, he's okay. doing a whole like uh, magic carpet ride moment. There's so, also, oh, go ahead. Sorry. sorry. Um, talking about Cerebro, Chad, was it on the podcast or did I see it in a show where they were talking about how um, Charles could like ignore the mutants that didn't have great powers? I don't think that was in the Okay. <laughs> well, this TV show I was watching the other day, they were talking about how, you know, Professor X can sense mutants um, with Cerebro and whatnot. They're like, but not every mutant has cool powers. Like, there's no way that that's possible. So does he just, like, 
pretend not to see the ones that <laughs> don't have cool powers. Like, someone's like, oh, hey, this person over here is a mutant. He's like, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, <laughs> the, the current comic books, the X-Men live on Krakoa, and they have established a way to resurrect mutants who are killed. And we learn, again, this is current continuity, so it's 60 years later or whatever. We learned that Professor X, part of the function of Cerebro is to keep regular backups of every mutant mind uh, on the planet so that they can be inserted into clone bodies in the future, which is kind of an interesting thing. So uh, Charles is both smart and impressive and uh, you can sing your song here if you want to. Charles is a dick. <laughs> a classic. What were you gonna say before? Oh, I was going to say that I find on this page that there's like a very strange um, beast like balancing on a chair with like a toe. <laughs> and it just looks really bizarre. Like, like it really caught my eye. But I think they're all, that someone also calls um, Kazar a Latter-day Tarzan. Yes. <laughs> yes. Owning I thought that was funny. They, it's clearly a Tarzan ripoff. Uh, in the Danger Room a few pages before, Beast was also hanging just from one big toe, if you noticed. he's. He's got a toe fetish. Not your toe man. <laughs> the close-up okay. of Professor X is killing me. Those cheekbones and the eyebrows going on. <laughs> he's a little Spock like himself, isn't he? A little bit. Yeah, absolutely. A little bit RuPaul going on. <laughs> I've never made that connection. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I kind of love it. <clears throat> Uh, okay, so well, Xavier should always wear like a bright colored, strange, strangely patterned suit now. <laughs> so, Brad, you're still frozen. Oh, crap. Okay, hold on. But we can hear you. Oh, there you uh, are. Right. Hi, hi. I just connected through my phone. Sorry about that. Technical difficulties. My internet is just two cups and some string. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, we're going to say something, or you had an observation? Oh, yes. So Beast, so I read the issue prior. They never quite know what to do with him in like non-active panels because sometimes he's just jumping. Like sometimes he's just, he's just doing weird stuff for no reason. Uh, I guess because they just want to show him doing his powers all the time, which I admire. But I did think that was funny. Sometimes you'll just see him, nothing's going on. He's just midair. Beast is either super wordy or super monkey back then. Like those are his <laughs> two default personality traits. Uh, okay, so the X-Men head on to uh, Antarctica. They find a big old crevice. Which, they were allowed to fly to this one. Yes, they took a boat last time. Uh, so they find a crevice which Cyclops penetrates. He penetrates the crevice, everybody. We just need to note <laughs> oh, the God. word choices here. But I, I wrote smart, Scott, is what I wrote because he literally... <laughs> Shoots shoots a, like a laser beam into essentially a glacier, mm -hmm. <laughs> and doesn't think anything bad might happen. I don't know. Oh, why would that? Go, how could that go wrong? Yeah. <laughs> so this issue leads you to believe that the Savage Land is underneath, like a bunch of ice sheets. It's not. This is just one passage into it. We learn in the later comics it's a pretty expansive space uh, that was established by aliens millions of years ago. So there's some aliens called the Nuwali, if I'm remembering correctly, who want to experiment with people on Earth. So they put these machines up that maintain this kind of prehistoric jungle in the middle of the Antarctic. And as long as the machines are running, the Savage Land stays there. It generates things. When the machines get shut off, the Savage Land gets frozen over. And then when the machines come back on, 
all the dinosaurs and trees and plants come back. So it's like this magic, amazing like uh, environment that they've done a lot with over the years. It's like the uh, Matrix. Yeah, kind of maybe, except it's reality. I don't know. Uh, so they, the X-Men climb down into this big uh, crevasse and they see a bunch of dinosaur skeletons and then enter the Savage Land. Uh, uh, what are your thoughts on these first few pages as they discover dinosaurs? Um, I'd like to amend my favorite dinosaur to being the tiny horses, please. Uh, <laughs> the little dog size. Those are horses. called Eohippus, just so you know. <laughs> There's um, also I've always thought horses were terrifying, and uh, this does no. confirm that I think they're dinosaurs. <laughs> <laughs> but that, I mean, there is a lot of like mega fauna and not just dinosaurs mm -hmm. in here too. So like they show quite a bit of like other creatures that that are prehistoric. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's there's like lots of uh, periods of dinosaurs, like different eras that are all mixed. Yeah, together. I did notice that. I do like the little armadillo dude with the spiky tail. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a dedicurus. <laughs> so, so I, I may I may have like I for, I don't know why I know all these. I don't. So, They're good. Another, no, she's a superstar. I love dinosaur. it. For those who are not familiar with uh, Mr. Terry Blast and his incredible work, he is writing Reptile for Marvel right now. Reptile is a Mexican-American hero who has the ability to change body parts into various dinosaur body parts, or he can fully transform into a dinosaur. Uh, so Terry, I think you would probably be our dinosaur expert given the amount oh, of no. research you have to do for that book. <laughs> yeah, I did a lot of research, but I also just think I was a nerdy dinosaur kid. <laughs> yeah. were or are oh i mean are i'm not ashamed of that like so much so that so so much so that i like i know that for the time that this comic was made that the illustrations of these dinosaurs and megafauna that were done were very accurate for like the time and i think that's pretty cool that they sort of went to the lengths to do that they could have you know sort of just drawn whatever and went went with it mm -hmm. but yeah they they did i think they did a really good job you even see an archaeopteryx in there in one panel um but yeah you see lots of like the little horses and like the weird like three-horned antelope things and so i thought uh, it was kind of fun you know and as a 60s kid this would have been really fun to read but i <laughs> think they did a good job of capturing like the wonder of the x-men finding mm -hmm. fucking dinosaurs in the antarctic they're like oh, that's amazing <laughs> yeah uh, so there are many tribes of humans throughout the Savage Land. We see two of them referenced in this issue. Uh, the primary foes are the Swamp Men, who are a group of kind of industrious tool-making cavemen. None of them speak in this issue. But they've got crossbows. They've got volcanic gas knockout bolas. Little bombs, yeah. Uh, they've got nets. Uh, what did you guys think of the Swamp Men? I love their fucking weird bird. Yeah, they ride like fan Final Fantasy chocobos. Yeah, I was thinking of Final <laughs> Fantasy too. They're, it is very non-yellow chocobo. They're like hairy ostriches. I don't know. And they're like multiple arrow thing. It looks like a nerf. Like, I don't know what the nerf would make. Yeah. Yeah, their designs are super cool. They like they're very, you know, very Kirby, um, very uh, graphic shapes and stuff like that. Just, really cool looking <laughs> they're a little bit caveman but also like a little bit uh like future apocalyptic costume mm -hmm. design world like spiky hair with headbands and there's a guy in like a in a, like a scaly dinosaur suit and like there's a bunch of uh just fun little fashion designs with these guys 
Uh, and again, they never talk. Uh, and then the X-Men are, are in danger. Some of them are knocked unconscious and we see Kesar run in to aid them with his uh, historic battle cry. Uh, any of you want to try out Kesar's battle cry? It's, it's not even sort of. No. <laughs> it's uh, uh, four E's, two A's and two H's with <laughs> two exclamation points. So I understand that as, I understand that as, uh, like Trixie and Katya uh, show. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I heard it. That's how I heard it. Kazar uh, gives like a little opening line, like, welcome to. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, I think I heard something more along the lines of something from a Scooby Doo episode. <laughs> like, or like the, the goofy yell, the yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Give me that, Kazar. I love it. Heather, I want to hear what your, what your thought of what it sounded like was. I don't know, like something really high pitched and like a ghost noise from Scooby-Doo. I don't know. Okay. 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 <laughs> I can hear it really clearly in my head, but I don't think I can replicate it with my mouth and I don't want to try. <laughs> so, uh, let me take a, a Marvel deep dive for just a moment because I love to do that on these little podcasts. Uh, so Kesar shows up in a series of Daredevil comics after this and he's given a lot more backstory. We learn later he is a British noble. Uh, his real name is Kevin Plunder. And he has a brother, he has a brother named Parnival Plunder, which is my favorite name in all of Marvel, I think. Uh, their father is a researcher archaeologist who has gone to the Savage Land and he has this vault of incredibly valuable material. He can only open the vault with an amulet, which he breaks in half and gives one half to each of his sons. So Kevin and Parnival have to work together ideally to open this vault up. He then takes Kevin to the Savage Land as a child to go to the vault, but he gets killed while he's there. And Kevin is left very Tarzan-like in the Savage Land to make his own way. He meets Zabu when, they're, when he's just a, a little kitten and he becomes the Lord of the Savage Land until many years later when he starts to remember. So perhaps the reason he knows English in this book, even though he's not great at it, is because of his memories as a, uh, as a British Lord. Uh, in the future comics, Kevin marries, uh, uh, Kesar marries uh, Shanna the She-Devil and they have a baby and it's, uh, he still has lots of fun stories happening. Uh, any of you familiar with Kesar's origin story prior to this? Not even sort of. I've seen no. him around in X-Men stuff, but uh, I never looked into his backstory. Yeah, so uh, does that surprise anyone? Yes. I will say he knows enough English to read, not to ruin the ending, but later on they tell him like, hey, it's nice to meet you, good buddy. And he goes, bye. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, the library is open and I do love that. <laughs> oh, the library is open on page 10 with Scott, but I don't want to get ahead of ourselves. Um, but in the comic, Kazar. Uh, says that he fled down to the Savage Land due to attacks in this issue. And he said he says many moons ago. And so learning that he was like a British royal, does his vocal like language ability go in and out depending on the run? So I think what he's referring to when he talks about the attacks, you know, the news footage we saw where the people attacked him mm. when he saved the guy, I think that's what he's referring to here. But he says many moons ago. So that would be like last week. <laughs> Yeah, maybe uh, <laughs> maybe, uh, maybe it took some time for the footage to get back. I okay, don't gotcha. Well, um, if, he knows his, if he knows his way out of there to save the one dude, 
then he's probably been up there, you know, once or twice before yeah. and may have met with some unfortunate people who attacked him. I don't know. Yeah. So uh, his brother's name is Parnival Plunder. He's a supervillain. Anyone want to guess? Of what course he's a supervillain. With that name, he can't be anything yeah. but a supervillain. Yeah, we can't blame him. He is Parnival Plunder, the Plunderer. Uh -huh. Oh, <laughs> right! Isn't that really, really plumbing the depths of originality? I, I think there. I'm a little bit in love with him. <laughs> Wasn't there a captain? There was a Captain Planet villain named like Luton Plunder. Yes. There? Does that sound right? Yes, it does. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So the uh, the X Men meet Kesar. Uh, Marvel Girl is kidnapped by the Swamp Men. Which of course, she is. <laughs> Well, goes out like a chump, too, off panel. <laughs> to their credit, this is the first time in 10 issues that Marvel Girl has been kidnapped. Heather, am I right? I think so, but <laughs> it's not the first time in 10 issues that she has been coddled or treated like a damsel in distress. She's been the damsel often, yeah. yeah. But, I mean, Angel has been captured before, but I think this is yes. the first time. And, and Stan Lee and Jack Kirby love themselves a kidnapped girlfriend storyline. So the fact that it took them till issue 10, I, I will give them credit. Really showing restraint. <laughs> uh, Beast full on walks over and lays his hand on Kesar while complimenting his remarkable biceps. <laughs> that did not escape me. I screenshotted it, I saved it. I, I'm reading digitally. Uh, <laughs> I love it, we love to see it. Uh, a lot of gay beasts going on in this issue. Know, is a little bi? I don't know. I always felt like he kind of was. Is, wasn't there a run where he said he was gay, but then kind of took it he back? He said he was gay, and then he was like, no, I'm just testing. This comes in, like, in the 2000s. He's mm -hmm. like, no, I was just uh, doing a social experiment, which is very gay. Yeah. He's <laughs> <laughs> had uh, some successful long-term relationships with women, but it does not mean he is not attracted to men and i don't know he clearly well i mean Kesar. he immediately gets rejected like kazar says like no touching <laughs> like sorry no touching <laughs> none like, do not touch lord of jungle none well this is what i what i was uh, mentioning earlier was that cyclops's visor literally becomes the embodiment of reading glasses because he calls him <laughs> nature boy and then he calls zabu his little pet mm -hmm. <laughs> and okay okay <laughs> Previous page, just really quickly, Iceman is knocked unconscious by the volcanic gas. And then on the next page, he wakes up and here is this shirtless, beautiful man in a loincloth just standing over him. Every little, every little gay thought Iceman has ever had is coming alive in this moment in his own head. He's just sweating. <laughs> he has ice shorts, so you can't see what's happening. <laughs> Uh, so the X-Men spar with Kazar. There's a little bit of fighting going on. Uh, Iceman freezes the saber-toothed tiger in a big block of ice, and Kazar hits the ice with a rock, and the sound effect that comes out of that is slang. Slang. <laughs> uh, it, just, it just is a ridiculous sound effect. What might work better? <laughs> Crash. Yeah, I'm very literal when I yeah. come up with one. I'm like, I mean, crunch, crash, whatever. Uh, <laughs> crack a tool. Uh, also, this is a terrible throat. idea. If your pet gets frozen in ice, that's not what you want to do. I'm not blaming him for not. <laughs> no. 
so they spar for a little bit and then uh, another caveman attacks. Uh, his name is Megor. He is the last of the ape men or the, the man, man apes. Uh, so Megor is a recurring character. Kazar has a long series that runs in the 70s and Megor is one of the foes he fights most frequently. But he's really only in this for a couple panels. He's the big Neanderthal with the club. Uh, and he also has a great battle cry. What was it? Uh, I. Oh, I. I yeah. e. Three A's, two H's, three E's. Uh, so it's almost like E-R, but not. <laughs> um, what What was his name, Daddy? Megor. Uh, Megor. Megor. But he can. You can call him Daddy if you want to, Bradley. <laughs> and I shall. Uh, for the remainder of this podcast. <laughs> well, he's only in it for like four panels, so. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Megor runs off and then the X-Men convince Kesar that they need help saving their female partner, the female member of the team. They emphasize that she is the female more than once. Scott calls her that <laughs> several times when he could just say teammate. <laughs> <laughs> or friend. Have you guys ever done that thing or heard someone do that thing where someone's from another country and you find yourself talking really slow and enunciating well? <laughs> do, you know, do you know what I'm talking about? Mm -hmm. Maybe Scott's doing that here. He's like <laughs> a female partner. He's trying to get Kesar to understand him. <laughs> or they're sexist. And well, that's more that accurate. <laughs> <laughs> Heather, Heather's like, yeah, that one. <laughs> yep. Nailed it in one. <laughs> Uh, so somebody tell us what happens to Angel. He scouts ahead. I mean, and he flies through like the Savage Land and comments on how they could film a classic sci-fi movie here with, yeah. with, <laughs> for free. They wouldn't have to pay a cent to special effects, man. I, I love our, our capitalist king here, I guess. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he almost hits a brontosaurus, but then... That's the how his family became billionaires. <laughs> exploitation. <laughs> I don't remember how the Worthington riches happened. I'll have to go back and research. Exploitation. It's billions with a B. Uh, <laughs> we were in the Hellfire Club. Like I don't need to know more. I know what happened there. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. We'll meet his parents shortly. It's it's we're almost there. Uh, so Angel gets captured by the Swamp Men, who take him back to Jean. Uh, she has been tied in ropes. And Angel tells her, use your telekinesis to untie them, but she cannot. Why? Because the ropes are covered with pitch and they won't unravel. Pitch, please. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that I do <laughs> not pitch, please. <laughs> pitch perfect. <laughs> uh, um, I do love Mr. Uh, dinosaur Mask over here. He's the only one, like this isn't a requirement for this ceremony. He brought that for fun. His head <laughs> and his gloves and his boots. So is that a dinosaur person or is that like a person wearing dinosaur stuff? Well, it's a person wearing dinosaur stuff and his uh, stuff looks like okay. it has a duck head on it, kind of. Like, huh. I love it. She brings it to you every ball. Mm -hmm. I, yeah. <laughs> no, no notes. <laughs> uh, so they're going to they're gonna sacrifice Angel and, and uh, Marvel Girl. And Marvel Girl is looking. This is not her best yeah. moment. Like, Oh, sweetheart, getting kidnapped is not a good look for you. <laughs> I don't know. Um, yeah, and, and Angel literally, like, this is the one time that, like, Angel has a better plan than Gene does in the moment. He's, like, literally just, like, un untie me. I don't have pitch on my... Uh, they, they can do that, just untie it. She's like, no, there's a dinosaur. <laughs> she's, so, she's so disoriented. She doesn't know what's going on. She calls him <laughs> Scott. 
<laughs> literally calls Does him she Scott. Really? I miss yes. That. <laughs> um, and and Warren's nice enough to not be like, okay, um, it's Warren. I know there's a T Rex in front of us, but it's Warren. <laughs> he doesn't even go there. I the won't art. be disrespected on the last time anyone addresses me before I'm eaten by a dinosaur. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> the art on all of the dinosaurs is incredible, but this T Rex looks like something out of like the claymation Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer cartoon. It's so bad. Yeah. I love that this essentially like trap door opens and a T-Rex what just like walks up the stairs like out of it like <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Maybe it's inflatable. The doors open and it just it just yeah. <laughs> I don't know. We can't see it because he's not in like that many panels but he is just like one of the uh, one of the guys at like a car dealership that's the like wavy guy. <laughs> <laughs> but it terrifies Gene. <laughs> and they're, they're, me. Uh, so although Jean could not untie ropes covered in pitch she can hurl full-on boulders at the t-rex and then knock him over with her television obviously <laughs> i don't know this, this was interesting to me though because she in a way is the one who rescues her and warren because mm -hmm. she topples a t-rex over and because the t-rex is distracted then she's able to like undo warren's ropes and she, don't, she doesn't even have to run away. She's like, Warren, please. <laughs> he picks her up <laughs> and flies away. <laughs> and even... Uh, not even fast as... enough, though. Oh, go ahead, Bradley. Oh, I was going to say not fast enough, because, like, uh, Warren's part of this was flying, and, like, before they can even get off the ground, they're caught again. <laughs> She's like, come on, I knocked the dinosaur over. <laughs> get, get, get us out of here. <laughs> Even though, uh, even though she is the damsel here, I feel like, and Heather, tell me your thoughts. I feel like this is the first time in 10 issues Jean has done something really impressive in battle. You're not entirely wrong. <laughs> like, pick people up and flip them around in the air, and she's tossed some things. She did free them during the blob issue, but I, yeah, this is kind of her first, like... Yeah. Holy shit, she's strong. This is a good issue for her powers. I mean, like the, the gun thing in the beginning was a, a cool example of like very controlled, um, very controlled telekinesis. And this is a good example of just like kind of brute strength. She literally like, like these boulders, they're not just sitting on the ground. I think they're part of the ground. I think they're like part of the floor is what it looks like. Um, so it's, it's a good issue for Jean power-wise. Yeah, she, she does a good job. Oh, I do have a question. Um, while this is happening, it seems that like the rest of the group is headed to try to save them. And we see Bobby use like a quick, he calls it like a quick freeze bridge. Mm -hmm. This isn't the first time we've seen him do that, is it? No, he's starting to do it more and more. Okay. The ice, the ice slides started popping up a few issues ago. He just transformed from lumpy snowman, Iceman into like frozen ice, Iceman. And now he's gotcha. starting to slides more often. And we love to see it. I think it's yeah. kind of fantastic, actually. The first few issues he just... I do wonder, actually... Um... Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, you're great. Go ahead. Oh, I was saying I do, I do wonder if... Um, I know this is an entire retcon thing. Like, this is a thing of, like, you know, this wouldn't even happen for decades. But it is interesting that, like, he goes to the future, comes back, has his memory erased, but some part of him was still, like, I'm a I'm a shed the snow the snowboy uh the the lumpy snowboy thing maybe you could you could retcon that like that was kind of you know part of what I don't know his experience like a state of in his back. memory mm -hmm. 
But I also love that now that he's not the lumpy snowboy, they have to put shorts on him. I think I think Bradley's onto something because what if now Jean is retaining somewhere in her mind that she is like a badass, that she can like do great stuff at yeah, this point. She gets you know? an upgrade because of it. Because she knows somewhere in there that she's got she's yeah. got more than she's been doing. So they haven't really addressed this in the comics. I'm gonna, so I'm making a special episode about the future time travel stuff uh, that I'll release. They haven't really covered this in the comics. So another deep nerd dive here. The X-Men who go to the future, not only do they have their memories wiped, they have their powers altered. So Jean in the future discovers an additional way to use her powers by drawing off of telepathic energy from people and then focusing it into a new telekinetic energy. And it's super powerful. And apparently she still knows how to do it, but they haven't ever shown it since. And mm -hmm. all of the X-Men pass through something called the Black Vortex and get cosmic upgrades to their powers, which some of them retain. Uh, Angel has like fire wings in the future, but they like delete his powers and memories when they send them back. So it's more than just, uh, and poor Bobby like has been, has forgotten that he had a boyfriend in the future now, which is so sad. How dare they? Anyway. <laughs> Nerd dive. I apologize. I can get a, a little wordy when I when I dive into. I love it. That's what this is for. Um, uh, the 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 Bobby thing, like sending him back, it's still insane. When you like every now and then they try to address how much time exactly has passed, and it's a mistake because you can't. <laughs> it's not easy to explain why uh, Bobby has to be as closeted as he is. You know five years ago or however long it is they're saying it was now <laughs> yeah it's like 60 years in our time but like 12 in their world or something yeah i mean it's a soap opera right <laughs> yeah forever young uh i guess more we'll have to pay royalties we're going to do this every episode uh so the x-men arrive with kesar and zabu they fight the swamp men uh kesar does his eaw call again and summons a, a pack of I, I don't know what the technical term for a grouping of mastodons is they, but they come charging into the village and a threat <laughs> a smashing mastodons arrives. Uh, now, 60s nerd young boy me, if I existed in the 60s, would think that this is fucking amazing. Like, <laughs> oh my god, there's mastodons storming the city. That's incredible. Uh, it is a really cool battle sequence. Oh, it's very fun. Honestly, the, the like the his the panel the panel with his battle cry is really cool. Um, it's really dramatic. The the one with the huge sword, uh, and then the mastodon charging. It's all A plus. Like it looks fun. It, it, it does the job. And you get to see more of the tools and weapons of the swamp men, and like mm -hmm. they're real advanced. Mm -hmm. uh, Beast telling the swamp men. Personally, I have always believed that violence is the last resort of the incompetent. Uh, <laughs> brings me untold joy. Uh, I think also, one, once again, Kazar uh, reading the girls, um, <laughs> just like, uh, your magic, too weak. Only Kazar is lord of the jungle, like, <laughs> <his> Cyclops. <laughs> shoves him, and I love it. <laughs> I, I will say that a group of mastodons is likely called a herd or a parade, like a group of elephants. So for the sake of this podcast, I think this should be called the parade. Well, <laughs> It has a herd of mastodons in it. Yeah. Uh, I like parade. Charging mastodons. 
<laughs> a parade. Uh, so there's a panel where Ice Man has just rolled up like four <laughs> of the, the Swamp Men in an ice ball, and that's hilarious. And awesome. I love that. <laughs> I do think uh, you guys have mentioned this before. Sometimes the writing is a little lazy, where it's like something wilder than words can begin to express and you're like oh you could try <laughs> yeah. yeah i love how it's like we'll attempt no such written description yeah yeah no mere words of ours can do justice to the fury of, of kzar's attack like i wouldn't mind it <laughs> a few <laughs> we would like to see it <laughs> yeah the Swamp Men flee their home uh, and uh, Scott rushes to free Jean from her bonds. And she thinks, is that the concern of a normal, uh, of a leader for an, whoa, excuse me. Is that the normal concern of a leader for an ally or do I detect another note of it in his voice? One that I've been longing to hear. The Shakespearean <laughs> pining continues. She's got it like real, like both of them do, but like she's got it like real bad because like, Honestly, I know if I had like a long-standing crush on a friend of mine, but also Kazar shows up, I don't know if the crush would be the first thing I'm thinking of right this moment. <laughs> Absolutely. This is also my favorite part, I think, in the entire issue. And I, I love that when Gene and Cyclops are showing this concern for each other, Warren essentially says like, oh like fuck my drag like i don't get thirsty like <laughs> he's like yeah, I'm, I'm, okay like, I'm not standing there like, yeah or hadn't you noticed <laughs> right like um excuse me what about top liver petty yeah. queen warren worthington the <laughs> third my favorite panel in the whole comic has to be on the next page uh beast has somehow gotten stuck by his drawers how the, the fuck <laughs> Wait, I missed this. What was it? Tell me what oh, happened. Uh, Beast Beast gets like stuck on the top of a pole, like just hanging <laughs> in drawers. Yeah. I'm cold. Yeah. And, um, I, I went back to see if it, it was explained. I don't think it is. It's not. Angel, Angel goes up to pick him off and he basically says, Beast, shut up or I'm going to drop you. And <laughs> Beast's response is my favorite quote in the comic. Alas, conversation is a dying art amongst today's youth. I love 60. He's so yeah, fun. he's starting to have like that you know, personality that I think he didn't have in the beginning. They're like infusing that more and more with him, mm -hmm. aren't they? Uh, and we mentioned over and over, the current beast in the comics is so awful. So it's just fun to have yeah. fun 60s mm -hmm. back. Uh, how do things end up? They leave. Okay, so they leave. Like, they, bye. Yeah, I, I ruined it a little earlier, but they literally go like, well, our adventure here has been great and it's been lovely to make a friend, like make friends with you. It's so nice to meet you, Kazar. He goes, bye. No, no talk. <laughs> he says, no talk. Your world above, my world jungle. One of bye. one of them says something like, like, well, thank God he's not a mutant because uh, I, I'm not going to like take the energy and the time we have to, our try to, to try to convince him to yeah. come back with us. <laughs> So this is just oh. a long series of stories over the decades of the X-Men going back to the Savage Land over and over and over. Some to live, there's lots of adventures, there's lots of uh, crazy battles against, uh, I don't know, swamp gods and the high evolutionary and all kinds of things. Uh, there's a lot of really classic stories, including a really famous one uh, in which like Rogue and Magneto hook up for a long time and living like a treehouse. Oh my God, Heather, you're <laughs> 
That's true. They hook up for like quite some time in the 70s. No, like in the 90s, Rogue and Magneto were a thing quite often. In the Age of Apocalypse, they were yeah, a couple. And then there yeah. was like some weird, like Joe Matarira run in the 90s where Magneto had long hair and he was going by the name Joseph and he had amnesia and Rogue was dating. It was weird. He was a He's the Rogue story. Is the Rogue story the first one where, like, going to the Savage Land always is going to imply that your costume gets really ripped? Like, you get a fun bathing suit version of your costume? I don't know. I know that doesn't... It's not the first. It's not the first? uh, Yeah, that's that's kind of a common trope. Your your costume's going to be shredded to basically just cover your bits. And if you fly a ship there, it will always crash because a dinosaur will (laughs) will come out of the trees and you're like, oh, no, and then you crash. Like, that's a constant... Thing in the Savage Land. I like to think that now when Rogue goes to the Savage Land, when she's like on the way there, she just starts cutting up her uniform. Just <laughs> she knows what's up. She in preparation, what people want to see. She's yeah. seen the pinups. She's seen the art. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I I know Rogue is among your favorites. I'm sorry about the Magneto thing. Like I don't know if you were ready for that. Thank you. It is gross. Please send flowers in memorial of my heart. <laughs> She, she's married to Gambit now in the comics, and she just she just got appointed to like the main X Men team, which is a pretty big deal. So Gambit's like her house husband now. Precious, as he is meant to be. Yeah, with their little kittens. No, I'm all for it. Uh, okay, so if you had to choose a uh, a favorite character, like who was your star player in today's issue, and then what was your just favorite moment? It could be silly or action packed or amazing. Like, what was your favorite moment in the book? I want to say my star player is Jean because of the way that she uses her powers in this. Um, and yeah, I mentioned that like I, that I loved the part where Angel is upset that Scott didn't notice him. <laughs> but I think that, I think that, um, yeah, that would be it. <laughs> um, I'm going to say my favorite moment uh, my favorite uh, player. So Jean has a major power upgrade in this issue, which I love. Um, but I love uh, Lord of Reading uh, Kazar. I don't get over it. She <laughs> she's giving it to the girls. I, I I'm a fan. Um, and my favorite uh, moment is is um, the amount of gay beast content in this issue mm-hmm. i don't want him as part of the family necessarily because he's the worst but <laughs> i do still love to see it <laughs> my favorite i was actually thinking about this as i was reading it because i knew that you're going to ask and i mean definitely we stand a power up with gene but i think my favorite is actually zabu <laughs> <laughs> the favorite like That's knows fair. what's up um and then my favorite moment is either the renaissance painting panel panel of the unrequited love betwixt scott and Jean, or the Princess fact that beast randomly ends up at the top of a pole and like what that is that? hilarious <laughs> So whenever I read these comics, I try to think of the audience it's intended for. So 90s comics are very different than now, you know, et cetera. So go back, going back to 60s, little white boys spending their nickels and dimes on the like rack at the, the, the gas station or whatever. Uh, if I take myself back to like 60s version of closeted gay me, 
the dinosaurs are amazing in this issue. So like my favorite panel from that perspective is that like charging group of mastodons or for the closeted gay boy in me, the first cover image of Kesar, because back then you would not have access to the internet or other, other <laughs> alternatives. So I would be very happy to uh, have taken that comic book home at the time. Um, this, uh, this issue was a lot of fun. Did you guys, uh, did you guys- Wait, who was your star player, Chad? Oh, oh, my star player was, uh, was Kesar. Yeah, thank you for keeping me on track. Uh, overall experience, just reading X-Men number 10? I felt like it was shorter than the other ones. There's like more action sequences and less dense story bubbles yeah. this time. Like I reached the end and I was, and I was like, wait, like that was so fast that I reached the end of that. Yeah, this is this is definitely the least wordy one yeah. I've read so far. But it's fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I liked it. I think that part of that also comes from like, they see the news thing and they're like, can we go? And then he's like, okay. And then you don't even see them traveling. They're just like suddenly there. And so I think that they skip a lot of stuff that, you know, to get to the fun Savage Land stuff. And I think that's kind of great. Uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun. Like the X-Men has kind of started in the last issue. They're getting more independent and it's becoming sort of less of a school. Like they're still practicing their powers and stuff, but they're getting to be sort of superheroes in their own right. And Charles kind of trusting them to sort of run their own missions and stuff, which is nice to see. Uh, and then, you know, certain characters getting, you know, power upgrades, becoming the versions of the characters that you sort of know and love. It's good. They are the most unusual teenagers of all time, as it says on page one. <laughs> Unquestionably. Uh, this, uh, this issue, I think, sets a kind of different type of storytelling up. Now, we get a little bit more wonky stuff, but Stanley's not on the book that much longer. And when Roy Thomas takes over, it's a completely different uh, uh, line of comics. So we'll be getting there uh, in the near future. Um, so uh, dumber than The Vanisher, weirder than Eunice the Untouchable, and <laughs> number 11, the X-Men fight The Stranger. And I, I can't wait for you all to read it. It's a bizarre, bizarre comic book. We also get Magneto and, uh, and the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants back. Let me just hear your live reactions to the cover of X-Men number 11, just initial thoughts. How big is he? Uh, yeah, exactly. It's the same issue as as this one. As how how big is anyone? <laughs> Do you see Wonky Eye Beast? He's so strange. There's so much. Yeah. There's so much negative space oh on that cover. Yep. Yeah. Is there's, that? Uh, yeah. Hmm. The stranger is like an old giant man from space. He's strange, and Obviously. it's gonna be delightful. I'm very excited. <laughs> uh, I'm having so much fun making this, you guys. Thank you for being here. If you are enjoying listening to the podcast, give us a follow, share it with your friends. Uh, every listen we've got helps. We're on uh, Instagram and Twitter as well if you search for Graham Alkin Lane. Uh, Terry and Bradley, where can people find your artwork, uh, your stories? Uh, where can they find you? I'm very easy um, to find. Oh, sorry. There you go. I would say I'm very easy to find. You can find me on Instagram or Twitter at Terry Blast, which is just my name. My website's Terry Blast. And Bradley and I are working on a anthology piece together that should be announced somewhat soon. So I would look out for that. And uh, Terry Blast is T-E-R-R-Y-B-L-A-S. Correct. Um, I am on Twitter at um, Knife System, K-N-I-F-E-S-Y-S-T-E-M. Um, 
and I'm, you know, I'm there all the time. Uh, yeah, you can see, uh, I think, uh, like I said, uh, the Tarot Project, I think today's the last day of the Kickstarter for that, but you'll see sort of art as it's being made um, uh, for the next few months. Um, and yeah, keep your eyes peeled for me and Terry's story um, coming out or being announced soon. You're both wonderful, uh, Terry. I'm loving Reptiles so much. Uh, oh, thank I've, you. I, I've known you for a long time, obviously, and I love your work. Bradley, I have not met you till today, but I had a chance to look through your artwork and uh, your website's beautiful, beautiful work. Uh, you're an incredible uh, thank you. So thank you both for being here. Uh, and Heather, thank you as always. Uh, thank you for uh, being here on Gray Malkin Lane, and uh, we will see you guys next time. Uh, next week's episode is not the coming of Bizarre, although I hope you all have sweet dreams of the coming of <laughs> uh, Next week's episode will be called The Triumph of Magneto. Okay. See you next time.